0: I'd go to you know literally the opposite end of the world, and people would stop me on the street and be like, "Dude, I love your videos." And it was really weird to have people in you know Manila or you know Singapore or Hong Kong, or literally wherever, any major city say they love watching my videos. And it was, it was quite the it made you think like this isn't just numbers on a screen. this is actually people engaging with what I'm doing, which was pretty cool.
1: Hey people, my name is Katie Friesen, and you're listening to Humans of the World podcast. Essentially, (laughs) you're listening to my personal conversations uh, with people I find incredibly interesting from around the world, different perspectives, or unique (laughs) walks of life, shall we call them. Definitely go to my website and subscribe, because I will send cool, exclusive things anyone who subscribes on the website which is www.katiefriesen.net slash podcasts that's k-a-t-i-e-f-r-i-e-s-e-n dot net slash podcasts so check it all out you can also find humans of the world podcasts on all social media thank you for being you thank you for being great and i hope you enjoy this next conversation
2: Today's conversation is with Tom Stefaniuk. Tom was born in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. In high school, while playing basketball, he started getting involved in the basketball sneaker world. He put up some YouTube videos with basketball shoe reviews. Eventually, his channel started growing. Instead of going to college, he went all in on sneaker shoe reviews, and he built up an impressive global fan base, which eventually took him all around the world. Currently living in New York, he has 372,000 subscribers and an influencer marketing agency called Small Screen Marketing, where he helps other influencers with the business side of things. Uh, Thomas cool. Me and Tom actually went to the same high school together. Uh, so it was really cool yeah, knowing him in high school and then seeing where he's ended up in life so far. Um, so I enjoyed the conversation and I hope you guys enjoy it too.
1: Hey. How are you? I'm good. How are you?
0: Not too bad. Can't complain.
1: I got the YouTube professional over here. You know me about the lighting.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm stealing my roommate's studio lights. So
1: nice. You're living with a, another YouTuber.
0: Yeah, I am. How'd you find that out?
1: Well, you said you're you're pouring your, your roommate's studio lighting. So I oh, assume most that, regular that was a people. a bit of a giveaway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> most regular people don't have studio lighting. So
0: yeah, uh, he's I guess a retired YouTuber. He makes a podcast for Sony.
1: Okay, cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you look good anyways, Tom. Okay.
0: <laughs> cool. Well, we'll just go with this.
1: Perfect. I feel like, move your head, like, yeah, perfect. You just gotta right like, go like okay. this. The I'll whole just make thing.
0: sure not yeah. to move ever. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully perfect. it gets cloudy soon.
1: Perfect cool 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 um but I'm curious so thank you first of all for telling me your story um and I'm curious like let's how did you get started with YouTubing
0: um good question everyone always asks me this like expecting some sort of perfect answer like oh all the stars aligned and I knew this was my destiny uh but no I just I enjoyed basketball and I never knew even that basketball shoes were like a thing that there are these like cool expensive shoes. And when I got into basketball, I quickly learned that all my friends were like talking about, Oh, I got the new hyper or I got the new Jordans. And I was like, what is this? This is some weird world I've never heard of. Uh-huh. So I started like, you know, looking online at all this and I was instantly fascinated and I ordered this pair of shoes. Um, My mom helped me order it because I was like 15 and I didn't have a credit card. And I forget where we bought it off of it. was like foot action or something. And they didn't ship to Canada. So we were visiting my aunt in Michigan like three months into the future. So we ordered them to my aunt's place and I'm this impatient 15 year old and I just can't wait to get these shoes. So what do I do? I search up the shoes on Google so I can like, you know, look at pictures or like, you know, articles about them or something. And I find this guy who has made a 25 minute YouTube video talking about the shoe and, like, you know, how the comfort is, you know, how it sticks to the court and just like giving a performance review of this shoe. And I thought that was the, like the strangest thing ever. But then I saw in the recommended bar, there was this other guy who was doing the same thing. And he had like a whole basement full of like 500 different pairs of shoes. And I'm like, what is this weird world? And I sort of got hooked watching all these people that were really into basketball sneakers. And I think maybe like a year and a half after I started watching all of these guys, I wanted to, you know, try making my own videos because I just wanted to be part of like this community or this culture that was doing this thing. And me and my dad and my brother, we went to the mall after school one day and he's like, Hey, you can get a new pair of shoes for summer. So I just got like some random pair of like Nike Air Maxes that was probably on sale at the back of the store for like $70 or something. but (laughs) exactly but i had you know i had a brand new pair of shoes and i was like you know what i'm gonna make a video about these so i took my shitty cell phone it was like one of those flip up phones with like a keyboard underneath the touch (laughs) screen um and i filmed a video in the corner of my basement i was like talking so quiet because for some reason i don't know why i was convinced that if my mom knew i was making youtube videos she'd like tell me not to which makes no sense in hindsight, but I thought that at the time. So I was filming in the corner of my basement, talking super quiet, like holding the shoe and talking about it. Uh, And I didn't know how to edit video. So I just put up like the one take um, onto YouTube. And then the next day it somehow had like seven views. I was like, what the heck, seven people watch this? It is like the greatest thing ever. So then, you know, the next week I put up another video of some other pair of shoes that I had laying around. Um, You know, 15 people watched that one. And it just sort of gradually built up from there.
1: That's freaking awesome. Um, When you first released the the first video, did you ever have a thought like, uh, like, (laughs) uh, was there any like, like, oh, what are people going to think about this? Or you're just like, ah, fuck it, I just want to try it.
0: That really didn't even cross my mind because I guess, you know, I had zero subscribers. I was shocked that seven people watched it, right? There was really no way that I was expecting anyone to find out about it. Uh But definitely, I I still don't know to this day how this happened, except people at my high school, your high school as well, uh, found the videos and thought it was the funniest thing ever. And you know what? To be fair, they were terrible. So I don't blame them for laughing at it. Uh, But even, you know, my friends in, you know, a good spirited way made fun of me for doing it. And it definitely was still like in 2013 the the nerdy weird thing to do to start a youtube channel it wasn't like oh wow that's super cool you're going to make money creating content online it was like why are you doing this this is weird so yeah definitely there was a bit of a weird reaction which at the time i mean it obviously didn't affect me that much because i'm still doing it but i can remember being like a little self-conscious of it uh but yeah it, it wasn't really something that popped into my head when I started Of oh I hope people don't find out or something like that
1: I think I found out I remember I think Greg McKnight was probably the one that that told me and yeah I, I remember the basketball guys talking about it a bit but I like had no idea whatever it was involved in that world um, and so when people started like finding out about it, it did you ever find yourself defending it or how was your reaction like how what would you react when people were kind of razzing you on it
0: I mean, I remember uh, there, there's two types of people that sort of gave me shit for it. Like there's my friends, but that's what friends are for, to give each other shit on things that we care about. <laughs> so, you know, it's with them it's easier. you know, it's just like, shut the fuck up guys, okay? But I remember some people like legitimately tried to, I guess, you know, tease me about it. And, you know, it, it was something I enjoyed doing, so I wasn't really too concerned about it. But I do remember one time, this, this one girl who I won't name, but she was in my grade in high school and her locker was pretty close to me. And she always used to like, ask me the snarkiest questions about YouTube. So she's like, are you famous on YouTube yet? And all that. And maybe three years after high school, I saw her in the mall and I had my camera with me. And she's like, oh, are you still doing YouTube? And I was like, yeah, actually, I just got back from Hong Kong because I was flown there for an event because of YouTube and paid to speak there. So yeah, I'm still doing YouTube. And it felt really nice, <laughs> a little bit petty of me, but uh, but there hasn't been too many situations like that. I guess probably the biggest thing of originally, like my plan after high school was, okay, I'm gonna finish high school, then I'm gonna you know have my summer vacation, then straight into a business school in Winnipeg, where we're from. and. That's what I did. But I was about three and a half weeks into college and I hated it. Like I hated it. Um, And I couldn't see myself doing, you know, four or five years of that. So I just stopped going. But my dad is a lawyer. So he has like really traditional views on go get an education, you know, get a good job. So I was terrified to tell him because I didn't know what I wanted to do. It wasn't like, okay, I'm going to drop out of school to pursue this lucrative career opportunity. It was, I'm gonna drop out of school to pretty much sit on my ass and work on this hobby that's not really making a lot of money. I didn't tell my dad what I was doing. Um, I, One of my friends from high school lived on the same street as me. And he was driving me to school in the morning because we had the same class first period. So I just told him, hey, you don't need to pick me up anymore. I'm not going to class. Um, But I didn't tell my dad so I kept on waking up at like 630 and getting ready and having a shower and everything and then I'd go sit in the basement until he left for work. (laughs) Um, So we finally found out and he really wasn't happy about it and it was probably a two year ordeal of you know both him my grandparents to a lesser extent probably my aunts and uncles as well of them really pushing for me like okay so when are you going to go back to school when are you going to go back to school for probably a solid two years. And then I think it finally got to the point where, you know, my dad would help me do my taxes and he'd be like, oh, okay. You're actually like making money off of this. So I don't need to worry about you starving to death or being on the street or something. And then it it toned down a little bit after that.
1: Well, and now are they supportive of what you're doing or? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'd, I'd say so. Like, uh, especially with what I'm doing outside of YouTube now, like, um, with building my business, there's a lot of contract law and a lot of stuff like that that goes into it. So it's been a huge cost saver to have a, a dad who's a lawyer. And he's definitely been pretty open to helping me with that stuff. So I think it's definitely grown on my family. My grandpa is very interested in it. Uh, he watches like every single one of my videos. Um, he doesn't really understand how YouTube works though. So he's like, did you, did you post a YouTube today? I went on the internet and I couldn't find your YouTube. And he doesn't really know what he's saying, but he knows how to find my YouTube videos. Aww.
1: Your grandpa's going to be some some expert on, on sneakers. <laughs>
0: that and farming. He watches a lot of farming YouTube videos. That's
1: so cute. Good Ukrainian farmer.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> so when did your YouTube channel start kind of blowing up? Or when did you start? Yeah, I don't know. Like getting more recognition?
0: Um, I don't know. That's a good question. So I think I seem to remember for some reason that the summer after I graduated high school, I hit 10,000 subscribers. That would have been like August, maybe September of 2014. Okay. And I thought that was pretty cool at that point, but realistically, if I had to guess back then, um, that probably only equated to, actually, this is going to be really nerdy, but let me check. I have a a spreadsheet book of my monthly earnings of like every single month, just to keep track for accounting reasons. Okay. Yeah. So September, 2015, which is the first month that I wrote down in here, I made $836. So it wasn't like an actual income. It was, you know, like the equivalent of having a part-time job or something like that. Right. Uh, And I'd say, I guess the summer after I hit 30,000 subscribers, I think. So that would have been 2015. And I started to actually see like a pretty good growth of, oh, I'm gaining 3,000 subscribers a month. Oh, this month I got 6,000 subscribers. And I'd say probably summer, or sorry, summer of 2016, I guess it would have been, um, that I was starting to make like some actual money from it. And it was like, okay, this could be an actual full-time living off of it. Bam.
1: And how did your YouTube videos grow? Just because, like, did you do any marketing in them at all? or just
0: No, it was just all 100% organic, uh, people finding it online. I think that's the thing with social media, like blogs and podcasts, I think you'd be a little bit different. But... If you're trying to push what's supposed to be a really organic interaction between like a creator and their fans or, you know, their their audience, if you try and market that to them and shove ads in their face to get them to connect with your content, it's it's not really something that works. So I had a few videos that went, um, I mean, I don't wanna say viral, but I had a few videos that did better than others in 2015 that definitely started to build that audience for me.
1: And did you, um, how did you like, Take me into your mindset when you're creating videos. So like when your videos went viral, did you take stuff and learn from it or every kind of video was different content?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So back then I was literally uploading a video every single day. Uh, I'd say probably 2015, 2016, 2017, probably the majority of 2018 as well. It was literally probably out of a three-month stretch, I'd have 89 videos in 90 days. Like occasionally I would not have a video and that was usually only cause I was like on a 13 hour flight. So it was intense, but I, it was a lot of like reactionary. Okay, this type of video is doing really well. Um, people are really engaging when I do this. People aren't engaging when I do that. Uh, then I'd look at other creators, you know, in the genre and see, you know, what is something that's working well for other people that I could do better or I could do different or I could put my own spin on. And just sort of went like that. So it's not really just, you know, you know, throwing darts in the dark at, you know, nothing and hoping you find something that's trendy. It's, it, you know, it's a little bit of testing. Okay, people are interested in this and not in this. And then just going more in that direction and reassessing after.
1: Okay. Did you ever get like tired of making videos? You're like, oh my gosh, screw this. Oh, kidding.
0: absolutely. Uh, I think that's one thing that, I mean, if any, if any creators being honest with you, they'll tell you like the burnout is a serious thing. Uh, so and so I'm putting out a video every single day. Oh, like, absolutely! Oh like, gosh. I I still love doing it. Except the the mental stress of it was intense. Like putting that amount of pressure on yourself. Who oh, I need to have a video today. I need to have a video today. And then you can't take a day off work, right? Because you need to be doing something interesting and filming it and then editing it at night every single day.
1: And you always filmed and edited, or did you start? Out
0: yeah, yeah. So I always edited my own stuff. Um, I still do, um, but I, I just think it's it's hard to get across that personal aspect of a video if you're having someone else edit it. It depends on what style of content you're doing. You know, if you're doing like a a house tour or a car review or something like that, then sure you can have someone else edit it. Except if it's supposed to be like a personal connection type of vlog, uh, I, I think it can get be hard to convey that personal aspect through someone else editing your footage. Um, and yeah, I mean, in terms of losing interest in in the videos, there's definitely been times where I felt more inspired to make YouTube videos versus other times. Like now, definitely, um the past few months, it hasn't been something that I've necessarily felt the most creatively inspired to do. I've definitely been uploading less videos the past probably three months. Um, but that's also just because, you know I'm moving into a different phase of what I'm doing, and I'm spending a lot of time on building the business. And also just really lost me passion for the content I was making in sneakers. Okay. Whereas like, you know, after eight years, uh, yeah, a- after eight years of talking about shoes every single day, it can get <laughs> a little repetitive. And I just that didn't means- want to do it. Um, and so, you know, I had to do a hard assessment of, okay, so this is what my audience wants to watch. And this is what's going to get me the most views. But at the same time, I think my lack of interest was starting to show through where I knew it was forced that I was getting all excited about this stuff. And I think it started to show, like if you're not authentic, people are gonna figure out eventually. So, you know, I said, what's more important to me is, you know, trying to get the the most views short-term that I can in something that I don't enjoy. Is that important to me? Or, you know, do I sacrifice the short-term views, try and build a new audience? around something that i'm actually really passionate in especially now that i can view it more of a lucrative hobby versus you know my sole income right. it's it, it takes a lot of the pressure off of it
1: so you said that your channel was um you said personality channel right but i guess me being an outsider right were people not watching the sneaker channel to like learn more about the sneakers or literally is? Because-
0: i mean so probably at first absolutely yes um and i think the it, it quickly transitioned like probably within the first two years of me doing it from i'm actually going to teach you something useful about these shoes to i'm just going to buy them and talk about why i like them (laughs) okay um or i'm going to go to some store in Uh you know singapore and see what shoes they have sitting there um it it quickly turned into something like that and i think yeah absolutely the shoes is what brought people to the videos and got people to click on it but If people don't engage with what you're doing, yeah, they'll click on a video, but they'll click on one video, right? And I think to have people that are going to watch every day for two years or for three years, or even just for three months, they need to be really interested in something beyond just the product that you're showing, right? They need to be interested in you as a person as
1: well. That's cool. So what do you think you as a person, what do you think was it about you that people like so much and why they kept coming back?
0: I don't know, like this isn't a self-assessment and I'm not trying to, you know, like toot my own horn too much. This is just what a lot of people tell me. Uh, Usually when I meet people on the street or at events or whatever, uh, they tell me that I seem very relatable and I seem like the most down to earth sneaker guy, Uh, which I will admit, like there's a lot of like people thinking they're hot shit just because they have a lot of followers online. That's something you definitely come into contact with a lot being a YouTuber. Um, And the way I look at it is like, I don't know, people like watching what I do, but I'm not doing anything particularly special. Like I'm pointing a camera at myself. It's not rocket science. So I never really let it get to my head, thankfully. Um, and I've had a lot of people tell me that, you know, I come off, I come across as like really genuine or when they meet me, I'm just the same as on camera. Um, so, you know, that that's what I've heard from people. I can't really speak as to, you know, what everyone connects with with me, but that's, that's what people have told me.
1: So when did it start taking you places? Like when did you start going to conferences, speaking, like how did sponsorships work? When did that all come to play?
0: Yeah. So in terms of traveling, the first place that I ever went to, I want to say it would have probably been summer of 2016. Um, I got invited to a sneaker convention in Toronto. Uh, I guess the organizers watched my videos and they invited to fly me out for, you know, three or four days and show up to this convention on the Saturday, hang out there, you know, make a video, have people come meet, me, stuff like that. So that was the first time where I was like, whoa, that's pretty crazy that someone wants to, you know, cause in my mind, I'm what, like I'm probably 19 or 20 years old at that time, 19 I would have been, like someone wants to spend, you know, $1,500 to fly me to this place. So I get to go do something cool and make cool videos. Uh, and that was definitely a bit of an eye-opener where I started to realize like, this is a small event that is doing this. Like there's money in this space for people that actually have an audience. And then that following November in 2016, I actually got reached out to by this really big convention that flew out a bunch of YouTubers um, to New York. So they flew me out. They flew one of my other friends who went big out as well. And then a ton of other YouTubers that I had known for years only through like Twitter and YouTube and stuff. So it was really cool to meet all of them. And then past that, the same convention um, happened in a new city, I think, every other weekend. So I went to a new city every other weekend for about probably the better part of 18 months after that. Uh, And then there was a few other events from other things mixed into there. Um, I mean, I did. Some speaking event in Tokyo, which was pretty fun, and then I went to Manila to speak at a a YouTube panel where they were talking about creating and you know how to build a an online business. So yeah, it really opened up a lot of doors of both meeting people and seeing a bunch of cool things, and you know also just understanding the potential that what I was doing had and like how much reach it actually had. Because I'd go to you know literally the opposite end of the world, and people would stop me on the street and be like, "Dude, I love your videos." And it was really weird to have people in, you know, Manila or, you know, Singapore, Hong Kong, or literally wherever, any major city, say they love watching my videos. And it was was quite the, it made you think like, this isn't just numbers on a screen. This is actually people engaging with what I'm doing, which is pretty cool.
1: That's incredible. That's super, super, super cool. Um, And the people it was all all the people were bonded with the sneaker videos like with all these conventions all of these conventions were sneaker conventions or they
0: um YouTube yeah so uh the majority of them definitely were i've gone to a couple ones where it was just more focused around creating and you know building an online platform uh where you know i did more of a, a speaking like a panel role there rather than just hanging out and taking pictures with people and i honestly think i prefer those ones more it just feels like I'm adding more to, to being there than just, you know, standing around. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, most of them were definitely sneaker related stuff.
1: That's crazy to me. Like as an outsider from the sneaker industry, that's crazy how big the industry is or how, like, I have no idea about it. Like that's crazy. Oh yeah.
0: It's uh, it's definitely a big industry. And I think it's something that's grown a lot over, I mean, when I started in 2013, to be fair, like YouTube was a smaller platform in 2013 as well but i think the biggest person in the sneaker niche had 19,000 subscribers when i started and he was huge and now there's multiple people with well over a million subscribers in the same niche so it's it's really exploded since then
1: as people started coming into the ne- like into the sneaker niche did you find it harder to get subscribers or did you find anything in terms of um, like market saturation or anything
0: no not really like i'd say you know, throughout the period where I had like really strong, genuine interest in sneakers and, you know, I was super excited to make that content. I never saw any problem growing. And I think actually it's almost more of a compounding effect of this person is making videos now and he's getting a lot of viewers. But since my videos are so similar, guess what's in the recommended bar of his videos? Got it. It's a bunch of my videos, right? And vice versa. So it's just pushing everyone to each other's content. That's yeah.
1: super cool. Um, when did you decide, so you started getting tired of, or not tired, but you kind of wanted to morph into a different path.
0: Yeah, um, absolutely. A little bit more about that, yeah. Yeah, so I have like really high expectations of myself, almost to a fault sometimes, but you know, I, I would like to achieve a lot in life and YouTube is an amazing opportunity. It's such a scalable way to get your voice out there um, and to connect with people. And I've definitely seen the rewards of that. But at the same time i realized you know what i'm good at talking to people and you know i i'm relatively relatable with people i guess but i'm not like some entertaining wizard of youtube like i'm not going to be the next pewdiepie i'm not going to be the next mr beast that's just i don't have the capacity to do that so youtube isn't going to be um isn't going to be the thing that i hang my hat on for the foreseeable future right um i remember Like even at a young age, like when I was 20 and I started going to these conventions, I'd hear other YouTubers talking about like their goals, like their life goals. And it was, I want to hit a million subscribers on YouTube, or I want to do a brand deal with this brand, or I want to get X amount of views a month. And that's still, that's stuff I really wanted to do at the time. But I also knew like, Hey, if I'm 30 and talking about shoes on the internet is the biggest thing that I've accomplished, I sort of fucked up. And and that's sort of how I viewed it. Um, so I was always aware, I, I've always viewed YouTube sort of like a TV show, where, you know, there's the anomalies like South Park or The Simpsons that will run for decades. But most TV shows, you know, if you get five or six seasons out of it, you're doing really good, right? So I always knew, okay, eventually there's going to be a time where this isn't bringing in the numbers that it originally was. And I don't want to be, you know, high and dry when that happens. So I started looking for other ways to start making money outside of YouTube and starting to use, you know, the knowledge and the connections that I gained from YouTube and leveraging those.
1: So when that was around like 20,
0: um, I, I think the realization that I had, uh-huh. like, I mean, I knew I wanted to do something bigger than just YouTube, probably by the age of 20, but I wasn't, actively doing anything to make that happen or exploring any other routes until probably I'd say when I was 22, I'd say is when I started actually looking at, you know, and it's not like I came up with any, any revolutionary things, but I started looking at other opportunities. And if a friend told me that they wanted to start a business in X, Y, and Z, I'd be like, huh, is there a way that I can get involved in that? And help them or whatever I started being more aware of looking for opportunities outside of YouTube because I was like okay YouTube is amazing in the fact that it's I've been able to save up a lot of money at a relatively young age um, to then catapult myself in whatever else I want to do
1: well it's just giving you so much leverage
0: yeah (laughs) exactly right
1: so much leverage so that's freaking awesome how did you on on, when you were figuring out did the different like roots how many roots did you kind of go down how many paths did you go down until you found the one that you oh
0: so many um i actually i'm sure we'll get to this later but i actually went down the path that i'm on now just not doing it as well and not having the same conception of what i wanted it to be probably three years ago i tried doing it and it never really got any traction and i sort of put that on the back burner but then uh you know i have done a bunch of things like you know i've put money into planning an event with my friend and you know use my money and his event, event planning skills to, you know, make an event. And I, you know, I tried doing stuff like that and it wasn't unsuccessful, but, you know, it certainly wasn't like, okay, this is a million dollar idea. And I tried, you know, doing this and I tried doing that and just a bunch of random things where, you know, I either found, okay, this does work, but it doesn't have the market cap that I actually would like something that I want to put a lot of time into to have, or, you know, this doesn't work and I need to keep on moving, but it, it really was a lot of stuff just on the side, my main focus still being YouTube, me fiddling around with a bunch of other business ideas here and there and just trying to find something that really clicked. And that definitely took probably the better part of two years to figure out.
1: Wow. When the first time, so you said you kind of went down this path first. What was different?
0: Yeah. So I guess, yeah, I guess we'll talk about that now just so everyone's not confused. So basically, what I, I'm doing now is over the past year and a half, uh, we've started or I, I've started a um, an influencer marketing agency that basically handles all of the business side of everything for creative people. So anyone with an audience online, we try and make sure that they're getting paid the most possible, that they're building their brand the most lucrative and sustainable way possible. Because uh, lots of people are super creative, but either A, don't have the time or B, don't have the knowledge or expertise to understand what do I need to be doing to make a lot of money. And... You know, originally I, I knew this was something that a lot of people were lacking is that they didn't know how much to charge for brand deals or they didn't know how to properly, you know, set up a merch website or they didn't know X, Y, and Z, how to negotiate appearance fees or even that you were supposed to charge for appearance fees, stuff like that. Um, so I knew that there was a need there, that there was a lot of people that should be making, you know, life-changing money that were just making like, okay money because they didn't know their value. And, you know, I tried doing, I tried getting into a little bit two years ago, but nothing really stuck. Um, you know, as, as I've learned now, it's definitely a lot of hard work to get your name out there. And it's a lot of time and it's a lot of building relationships, um, to actually build up the client base that you're working with. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I think I just had so much other stuff going on that I had established. It was probably a good idea, but it just quickly stopped being a priority for me. And then as I said, about a year and a half ago, I was like, okay, you know what, it's time to actually do this. This is something I want to focus on. There's a huge potential here. Uh, so since then it's sort of shifted into being my main priority on a day-to-day basis.
1: You started about a year ago. How many clients do you have now?
0: Um, yeah, we have around 50 clients now, uh, around 45 or 50 clients um, across a bunch of different genres and platforms. It's mostly YouTube. That's definitely what we specialize in. But we work with a lot of people whose primary audience is on TikTok or Instagram, um, a couple of people who stream on Facebook and Twitch, uh, basically anyone who's, you know, making cool content and has an audience to the point where they're starting to make money off of it. We come in and you know make sure that if this brand wants to work with you, you they're not going to do it for just free product. They're actually going to have to pay you. And you, you'd be surprised. Like we'll see people with hundreds of thousands of followers who have been accepting free product when in reality they should be getting paid, you know, thousands of dollars and the free product. Uh, so we basically try and I, I guess it's a mix between what a sports agent or a talent agent would do in terms of the negotiating and stuff. And a little bit of, I guess, a record label behind it And we provide lots of the back-end support for, okay, we will do all of your customer service emails. We can design your website. We can X, Y, and Z. uh, Just basically providing them every single resource that they need to do the business side of their creative platform.
1: That's awesome. That's freaking awesome. Super excited. Yeah. Where, where do you think the, the opportunity is now? Like, I guess for new content creators coming on or where do you see like more people coming on? Where do you think the opportunity is?
0: I think, I mean, if you're trying to get eyeballs on you, I think TikTok's definitely probably the best place right now. It's just the algorithm is such a strange thing on there that, you know, all it takes is one weird video of you dancing or talking about finance or talking about how to garden tomatoes or something like literally anything and boom, 5 million views all of a sudden you have a following of 50,000 people. Uh, I think that's the easiest way to get eyeballs on you. But just the impressions on TikTok aren't really that valuable. So when we work with anyone that has a TikTok following, our first advice to them is push these people to another platform ASAP. Like whether it's Instagram, whether it's YouTube, you have these eyeballs on TikTok, get them off TikTok as soon as possible. Because the algorithm's so strange. Like this does not exist on any other platform where you'll have someone with a million followers or a million subscribers will have 500,000 views on one video and the next video they'll have 20,000 views and the next video they'll have 750,000 views and the next video they'll have 30,000 views. That only exists on TikTok. It's so volatile. It's completely dependent on what the algorithm decides to push. So yeah, it's the best way to gain a following, but the best way to actually keep a following is get them off of TikTok as quickly as possible.
1: Do you have any insights into how the algorithm works or are you
0: on tiktok absolutely none and i think if anyone does or if anyone tells you they do they're completely full of shit because it changes so rapidly like i think there's ways to figure out oh if i do this tiktok will push my videos for about a week and a half until they tweak something (laughs) and then it's completely back to the drawing board so
1: okay cool. cool 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 When you, how often do you visit Winnipeg? I know we kind of talked about this.
0: Um, I mean, like up until February, I still had a condo there. Um, So I, uh, the last two years, I definitely haven't spent that much time there. It's been a mix of traveling and being in New York. And I lived in Toronto for a few months. Um, but I spent all of last summer there for, I guess I was there for three or four months, but I haven't been back since February. So it's, I don't know. I mean, I grew up there. I know lots of nice people there, but yeah. it's definitely not the most conducive place to actually building something or working hard or you know, trying to establish the lifestyle that I'd like to.
1: What do you when you go back like what do most people say? Like what what's kind of the mentality that you kind of recognize, I guess, the difference?
0: I don't know. I mean, when I go back, to be completely frank, it's just a lot of time spent in our office. Um so Our offices for Small Screen are still all out of Winnipeg right now. It's just so much more cost effective to to have space there and to ship out of there. For some reason, Canada Post is so much cheaper than USPS or UPS. Really? Um, Even to ship to the States, it's really weird. We're shipping stuff to California from Winnipeg that is cheaper than if I wanted to ship from San Francisco to L.A. Really? It's really weird. Like, yeah, we have bulk shipping contracts and stuff, but it's still weird how cheap Canada Post is. Um, so you know, just in terms of rent and what minimum wage looks like in Winnipeg versus New York and stuff like that, uh, it's a lot more cost-effective to run it out of there. So when I go back, it's definitely mostly to attend to that stuff. Um, and then, you know, some of my family, like my grandparents, for sure, they're definitely always, oh, you know, why why would you want to live in New York or why do you want to travel so much? Just come home. And I think it's because they miss me. Also, I think my grandpa, especially very risk adverse and i guess as a farmer his entire life you sort of have to be risk adverse you can't exactly swing through the fences when uh, growing corn or whatever you're growing so yeah. um I, I understand it but you know he always comes up with like the worst case scenario it's like oh well what if you go to new york and uh your business doesn't do well and you can't afford to pay rent I'm like grandpa why would that happen i would have to have like no income for a long time to not be able to afford rent uh so you know I think it's a little bit of them worrying about me but uh in terms of more of my friends you know it's nice to see them and hang out with them but outside of like the core group of friends that I have there which are all you know pretty driven and entrepreneurial when you see like you know your your secondary ring of friends you can be gone for like a year and a half and you come back and you're like well what's new with you and besides you know maybe they got a new Honda Accord or you know, maybe they bought a new Macbook. There's really nothing significant that's changed in a lot of people's lives there. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, and I'm sure you'd agree with this. It's a very like subsistence mindset of, okay, I'm going to get a four-year degree and then I'm going to get my job that pays me $68,000 a year. And I'm going to buy a house in Southdale. And then I'm set.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, no, Which terrifies yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what, what about, do you think you'll ever, you sound like you're the quite the ambitious type. Do you think that you'll ever be content?
0: Oh, absolutely not. Well, yes and no. So okay. I guess in the literal sense of the word, no, I probably won't be content, but I also just really revel in being discontent. Okay. Like I get a lot of enjoyment out of not being where I want to be. So if you could call that being content, then, you know, maybe I am content because I really do enjoy the the process of trying to get to that next step. Um, it's not like I'm sitting here like, oh, man, I'm going to be so much happier when I whatever, when I buy this condo or I have this much money or what it's, it's not really the uh, the mindset, but, you know, there's somewhere I want to get. And I really do enjoy the process of trying to get there. And, you know, basically what I found is once I'm like 80% of the way to wherever I'm trying to get, all of a sudden I just radically shift the goal. So I never actually get to where I'm trying to get. As soon as it seems feasible, I'm like, well, that's not fun anymore. Let's find something even harder to
1: do. Yeah. It's like the paradox of the ambitious. Like, oh, I want this. No, no, I want this.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Uh, and so what things make you frustrated? Is there anything like what things now kind of grind your gear? Or make you mad?
0: Um, I don't know. This, this might sound a bit psychotic, but I'm definitely cognizant of, you know, the fact that I have, you know, between like 50 and 70 years left on earth, which is, you know, from one perspective, a lot of time, from one perspective, not a lot of time. So I really don't like wasting time. And I think I'm pretty cognizant on a daily basis of like the finite nature of, okay, I have today and I'm never going to get today back. So I need to make sure that I'm making the most out of today. So when I have time wasted or I have people that aren't as respectful to their time as I am, I think that stuff can really frustrate me. Like if something gets held up a week or two weeks for no good reason, just because someone, you know, isn't paying attention to it, that can be frustrating because I feel like I'm wasting irrecoverable time, which I guess is true. Um, might be a little bit extreme of a view. Um, and... I think uh, also just, you know, I put these really high expectations on myself, which once again are probably unreasonable expectations I'm aware of, I'm aware of that. But uh, yeah, if if I don't do a absolutely stellar job of whatever I'm doing, I'll get really pissed off at myself. Which I mean, you know, long-term is probably a good thing in terms of short-term, uh, terms of you know short-term contentment or enjoyment probably not the best thing but i think in terms of long-term results it's probably uh, not the worst thing in the world
1: has it ever slowed you down
0: uh my own frustration with myself
1: no just the the pursuit of excellence that everything you have to do is ha- has to be absolutely excellent like perfection has that ever slowed? no
0: you down no thankfully you? not so the way my brain works and i'm really glad that i have a pretty proficient team of people that work um on small screen that are really detail-oriented and good at organizing stuff, I am very broad strokes. So when I say like, I'm trying to make what I do the best it can be, I'm not talking about like the one project that I'm working on today. I'm talking about like the broad picture of what is the trajectory of this? Where are we going to be a year from now type of thing? Um, So I don't really get held up on like the specifics of, is this pitch deck absolutely perfect? Or is this YouTube video that I'm making like the greatest video I've ever made? um i i sort of view more of like the, the broad picture of what direction are we going in with this and is this the best trajectory we could be on
1: oh, okay very interesting very, very interesting what would you have told like i don't know 16 17 year old tom
0: <laughs> um invest in bitcoin <laughs> nice, nice. um no uh I don't know that's a good question I don't I don't really know what I wanted to do when I was like 16 like I guess I I don't think I actually wanted to go to university for marketing I think that was just like an you know an opportunity that was presented to me where it's like this is something you can do and my dad also went to business school before he went to law school so it was like oh well you know this is something I can do. And it wasn't really like, I didn't have a drive to, I'm going to go to business school and be the best marketing guy ever. Um, So I I don't really know. I'd say uh, maybe I'd encourage myself at that age to try exploring a bunch of different things, probably read more. I mean, I was definitely reading a lot, but I was reading like, you know, Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and stuff. Uh, Maybe read a little bit more substantive, like educational stuff to get a a little bit better of a view of like what's out there. Um, And then also to just abandon all element of reason. I think that's another thing that people do is like, Oh, well that's an unrealistic goal. Mm -hmm. And then they don't do it. Right. But I think the only reason it's an unrealistic goal in most cases is because people have told themselves that. Right. And if you go in with that attitude, then yeah, it's pretty unrealistic that you're going to succeed. So I think I would have told my 16 year old self uh, just you know, abandon what sounds like a reasonable goal and just go for unreasonable goals.
1: <laughs> and, and what's your current unreasonable goal <laughs> that you're going after?
0: I don't know. I don't have any like okay. huge concrete goals. I think just where I really want to be, like, let's say 10 years from now. Um, I mean, I would like to have a nice condo in Manhattan, that's for sure. But that's not like, you know, the be all end all of anything. I definitely like to, you know, have a nice place to live, be able to travel, have autonomy over my time, at least to some extent. But more than that, I think I just really like working in something that challenges me and where I get to sort of build something and deal with problems and come up with solutions. And like, I really don't care. I could be doing YouTube influencing marketing or I could be, you know, selling pet food. Um, As long as it was like a new challenge that I could figure out, okay, how do we do this? Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, in control of my time. And it was actually like, you know, I had skin in the game and I wasn't just working for a salary then I think I'd be relatively content. So I think doing at least in some form what I'm doing right now, except just trying to constantly build it to the next level.
1: So freedom and a challenge is what you're looking yeah. for. Yeah. Okay. What are, in your opinion, what are the three to five characteristics? Of, <coughs> or what do you think are the most three to five, the three to five most important characteristics for people to have?
0: In, in terms of what?
1: in terms of let's say success okay in terms terms of success let let me let me rephrase that what what three to five traits characteristics whatever you want to say um values what would you teach your kids like if you're like you should be
0: oh (laughs) (laughs) i've always jokingly said um that whenever whenever i have kids they will be incredibly successful but also incredibly emotionally vacant (laughs) um if if i wanted to instill like three to five things in my kids that's an interesting way to look at it um i'd say definitely i would hope that my kid at some point in their life didn't fit in like i think if your kid isn't like ostracized or you know bullied to some extent you probably fucked up because you just raised a kid that was exactly like everyone else's kid which is pretty unremarkable um So I I definitely encourage them to to stray outside of what all their other peers are doing. And I think inadvertently, that's something that I really got to do after high school. Um, Because I didn't go to college and I didn't have a job. I mean, I was making YouTube videos, but I didn't have like a daily set social circle where I could see, oh, well, this is how other people are acting, or these are other people's opinions or other people's goals. Because, you know, 90% of the time I was by myself making videos, editing videos for five years. So, you know, I got to really form my own idea of what was normal or what was, you know, feasible. So that's something that I'd try and instill in my kid is, you know, not, not relying on what is normal and what other people are doing. Um, I think, oh, um, huh, wow, this is a really tough question. I, uh, I probably, encourage them so this isn't like a value i would instill. i guess I, I don't know how to explain it but i have this really amazing idea i should patent this and write a book about it is the best idea for how to give your kids allowance ever okay. so right now there's really three schools of thought one is you don't give your kids allowance one is you know you give them five dollars just for showing up and then the third one which what i did when i was a kid is if i did something like if i took out the trash every day or if i washed dishes after dinner or something then i got you know my five dollars But what I want to do is tell my kid, hey, kid, you know, me and your mom are busy, it's a busy household. If you can find something that isn't being done quickly, adequately or efficiently and find a better way to do it, tell me how you're going to do it and then we'll negotiate on a price for it. Nice. Because then you're, you know, you're teaching your kid to like identify a need in the market or something that's being done inefficiently at like the age of five, which I think is pretty cool. So I'm not sure like how you'd sum that up into a value to teach your kid, but maybe to identify opportunity, I guess.
1: Or teaching the little, your, your little toms are gonna be, have the entrepreneurial mindset.
0: <laughs> exactly, yeah. I'm teach teach them to identify opportunity um
1: (laughs) you know how like when when farmers would have kids to have like extra workers on the field yeah you have like entrepreneurs (laughs) extra workers to build your empire there
0: (laughs) yeah you you can live in my house as long as you want but I get 20 percent of all the companies you start (laughs) (laughs)
1: there you go that's not a bad model
0: yeah exactly um honestly besides those two nothing immediately pops up pops into my head but uh you know to be hard working to be sociable um to be open to hearing things that they disagree with um yeah uh wow that's a tough one but i think you get the general gist of it
1: yeah yeah i got it <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> and then last thing how do you define success
0: um i don't know I that's everyone always says like success isn't and how much money you make, or da 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 da. It's how happy you are, how much free time you have in the day. I think it's completely based on in what context you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I guess you could say that the guy with two million dollars in his retirement account, who can just do whatever the heck he wants all day because he's living off of his, you know, his saved money. You could say maybe he's more successful than Jeff Bezos. Probably ninety nine percent of people would disagree. Because you know he doesn't need to do anything; he can spend his time however he wants to. Whereas Jeff Bezos can't. Well, I guess now he can, but last year he couldn't. Right. Um, and you know, I think 99 percent of people disagree with that, but I think some people might disagree with that. You could also just go, you know, pure dollar value created, or you could go, you know, impact on other people. Um, I think it's very contextual.
1: Right. Very. It's a very logical mathematical answer you're giving me. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, cool. And last question, actually, I have one more. What What are your favorite (coughs) books that you've read? What books would you recommend?
0: Um, huh. Good question. Um, in terms of just like things that I think everyone should read, I think The Richest Man in Babylon is probably a really good one. Um, it's really simple. Like you can get your ten year old to read it, and they'd understand it. You could probably knock it out in like a day and a half. It's just like super simple. What should be common sense lessons on money and building wealth. Um, so I think that would probably be a good one to read I'm actually reading this really interesting one right now it's called uh it's called range by David Epstein. And it's all about how generalists succeed more in their careers than specialists How having like a wide breadth of knowledge is actually more valuable than being really specialized in one thing, um, and a bunch of other interesting things about like, you know, we tell people don't quit you know like if you quit it's because you're giving up on your dreams or whatever uh, and there's a big section in the book about how you know quitting can sometimes just be being honest with yourself enough to realize that this is not a good match of what you're doing instead of wasting your time just you know like trying to you know run you know hit your head against a brick wall with something that's not working sometimes you just need to be like okay this isn't what i thought i need to reassess and find something else to do
1: mm-hmm. okay okay cool cool, cool. That's yeah awesome. well thank you tom where, where can people find uh your marketing agency where can people find you
0: yeah so if you want to find me i'm at tom stefaniuk on pretty much everything youtube instagram twitter uh and then uh my business small screen you can find at SmallScreenMarketing.com or on instagram at SmallScreenMarketing.
1: cool 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 Thank you for the conversation. Super interesting. Super cool to see where you've gone. Like, again, last time I saw you was high school, and it's just cool. Like, I had no idea where where your life had taken you. So, super awesome. Like, kudos to you. you. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks.
1: And anytime you're down in Miami, let me know. (laughs) Will do. Cool. See you, Tom. Yep. See ya. And that concludes this conversation. Thanks for listening. Again, make sure to
2: check out and subscribe on the website for cool, exclusive stuff. So that's katiefriesennet slash podcast. K-A-T-I-E-F-R-I-E-S-E-N dot net slash podcast. Make sure to subscribe. And I hope you have a fantastic week.